Hey lady, do you sometimes feel like you've lost yourself? Are you internalizing your feelings and walking around on eggshells either at home or at work? Maybe there is something missing in your life, but you just can't quite figure out what it is. Or even worse, you know what it is, but you feel stuck and you can't move forward. Well, I have been there more often than I care to admit. I spent more than 20 years climbing the corporate ladder only for it to come to an abrupt end during a 10-minute meeting. (laughs) I was so busy climbing that ladder to satisfy one aspect of myself that I neglected to take the time I needed to really focus on how to achieve true balance in every aspect of my life. Hi, I'm Anya Day, and welcome to the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast, where I give women practical tips on how to find their voice through changing their mindset, identifying their passion, and owning their story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, go grab your favorite glass of wine or cup of tea if you're driving, relax, And let's peel away the layers of our complex onion to unleash our authentic voice that the world deserves to hear. Hey, it's your girl Anya Day and I am back again. So today's topic is shame. So a lot of us have felt shame at some point in our life. Sometimes maybe you feel misunderstood. Do you feel like you've been put in a box because of something said somebody said to you or about you? Maybe it's that feeling that you feel defined by something that happened to you. But just because you've done something doesn't make mean that that's who you've actually become. It is... Shame can be an extremely powerful thing. I talked in my last episode about Brene Brown, who I love, who talks about shame and vulnerability a lot. And shame, as I mentioned previously, as she defines shame, is it's the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed in some way and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. So sometimes you have healthy shame and sometimes you have not so healthy shame. Brene says that healthy shame is actually guilt. And sometimes guilt can be healthy in terms of moving towards something positive or correcting a behavior or making an adjustment that is needed. So it can be good for you. But today I want to focus on the toxic shame. The shame that you feel when you're a bad person, when you feel like you've done something bad, but then somehow that's who you've become or when somebody has made you feel that. Normally when we feel shame, we don't necessarily want to share it with others. We don't want to expose it to others. We want to hide or maybe we feel defeated. It is It makes you feel powerless and defeated and sometimes angry. A lot of times, sometimes, or a lot of times when someone shares with you or tries to shame you into feeling a certain way, it's because they don't necessarily live up to their own expectations or their own worthiness. So um, I want to share a story about something that I went through when I was younger that made me feel a tremendous amount of shame and still feel that shame sometimes. So when I was a teenager, I was sexually assaulted. The person who sexually assaulted me was not a friend, not really even an acquaintance, but somebody that was 
I guess, a friend of, an, of a friend, to put it that way. I blamed myself. It was a situation where it could have been avoided. And in some ways, I felt like it could have been avoided. So I had was on my way to school and this person was dating or whatever you want to call it back then, my friend. And I was led to believe that they were over there, but they weren't. So I went in the house and the next thing you know, I was being assaulted. As soon as I got door, the door slammed and they basically grabbed me and threw me on this little thing that was by their back door and took advantage of me. I felt stupid for going in the house in the first place without seeing that person, but it wasn't the first time that that person would have been there. So it wasn't a complete stupid thing for me to do. I think where the feeling of stupidity came in is afterwards. So of course, during that moment, you don't process a lot of things. I think I was in shock. I think I was just like, where is this coming from? I There was a comment that was made about, oh, you know you want this. Or you know you went been wanting this. Or something along those lines. And of course, when you go back and you reflect and you think about, mm, what is what are they talking about? What makes you think that I wanted this? What have I, I turned it towards myself. Like, what did I do to deserve this? What signs did I give to make this person think that, oh, you can just take advantage of me? I just felt ashamed. I mean, there's no other way to talk about it. I, at that point in time, there wasn't a blame put on the other person. There were comments made about my sisters and hurting my family and not sharing it with anybody. And for a person in that situation, you never really know how you're going to react until you're forced to do it. In the sake of full transparency, I think what made the whole situation worse was I wasn't a virgin. I There was shame associated with that. I wasn't proud to not be a virgin. I did what I did because clearly there was a reason in my mind that I thought I wanted to do that. In retrospect, I was too young to be having sex with anybody. So, But I, I turned to that whole thing of, oh, well, maybe this wouldn't have happened to you if you were a virgin. Or maybe they wouldn't have thought whatever they thought had you not had sex previously with somebody else. There was all sorts of shame. I could do a whole episode on that, on sexual shame right there. Because my friends weren't having sex. Most of them weren't. There were a couple. But it wasn't something that we sat around talking about. I didn't necessarily share it because, to be quite frankly, even though it was something that I was doing, it wasn't something I was proud of. Therefore, I didn't necessarily share it with anybody, to be honest with you. So then when the sexual assault or rape to be frank, occurred, I didn't immediately share that. I didn't. I I retreated to being this little lost girl who felt like she didn't have a place. I think what complicated the situation even more, there were lots of complications, was that I had some issues that I was dealing with related to my biological father and finding out the man who raised me wasn't my biological father and some challenges that I was experiencing about how that made me feel. So all of these added to the shame that I felt in that moment, the shame that I felt afterwards. So like I said, I don't know that I told anybody at first. I think the first time that I shared it was 
a couple of years later in a group therapy session with some other teens. And it was something related to, I think it's when I had gotten in trouble with something. And my mom had put me and my cousin and my god sister, like we were in this group. And I think it was because we got in trouble for something. I don't know. Maybe they just did it just because. In my mind, I felt like I did something wrong. Not because she made me feel that way. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I remember sharing in that setting at some point in time. I recall a couple of years later, I can't remember before or after, somebody else finding out that somebody else had experienced what I had experienced with the exact same person. And that right there sort of turned a light bulb in my head. I think I began to realize that it wasn't me. I took the blame and shame from myself and realized that it wasn't me. But what made it even more complicated is when then I did start sharing it, I remember a very close family member who will rename, remain nameless making a comment about me being a fast ass. So then the shame comes again. That shame, that comment probably was just a way for that individual to deal and process the situation and what they had just heard. But to me, it just added to my shame and guilt and my feeling of just being criticized and being blamed for doing something. And that was, this was my fault. That feeling of just utter defeat, of utter, I'm not worthy, of how I process then things going forward. It impacted how I process things going forward. You often share with people or sometimes people share things with others and they're expecting a certain reaction and it's hard not to. I mean, some, you know, it, it is. So when I didn't get the reaction that I was expecting, I felt like I kind of retreated further into a shell. The good thing about all of that is I then turned that into a positive, which I'll talk about more in a second. But in that moment, again, I will just say how just utterly imagine that, like feeling that pit in your stomach where you got the bubble guts or where you feel nauseous. You get that nasty, salty, watery taste in your mouth like you're going to vomit. That is what I would feel when I felt that shame associated with that. And I had to learn how to do things to separate myself from that feeling that I was feeling. So that's one thing. So that's sort of tip number one, I guess, in terms of what to do when you're feeling shame is separate what you did from who you really are. I couldn't define myself by, I should not have defined myself by something that occurred to me. In my mind, because I wasn't a virgin, this thing happened to me and this thing happened to me, therefore I deserved it. But that's not the case. In general, even stepping outside of this, just because you do something, it doesn't make mean that that is who you are or you shouldn't allow that thing to define you. You're giving too much power to the thing. If you define yourself by what you do, then you're giving into the idea that the power of your happiness is in the hand of other people because then those other people are going to judge you for what you do. I'm not in the people pleasing business, but there was a time when I really pushed to overcome shame. Therefore, I was determined that I was going to be the best version of me that I could possibly be. 
So in the end, yes, it helped to push my determination and to push my drive and to push me to be a better person. I shouldn't have had to go through all that for that to happen, but I'm just saying it did. And But that true separation of kind of that thing that you've been through, knowing that that doesn't define who you are, I think is extremely important. Dr. Brene Brown also talks about knowing your shame triggers. You know, what do they look like? What is it that happens to you when you feel shame? How would you describe it? So does it have a smell? Does it make you feel a certain way? Is there some type of physical reaction? Normally there is. Like when that particular incident happened to me, I said there was this just feeling of just nausea and feeling extremely inadequate in life and feeling as though I never want to feel like this again. But I found myself time and time again, we live in that moment. Fast forward to here we are years and years and years later. And if somebody says a certain thing to me and I retreat back to that moment, I go back to how I felt that day. I go back to the words that that person said to me. I go back to the feeling of, oh, you can't put in your hands on my neck which is something that that person did equated equates to that entire experience. It becomes not just the choking, but it becomes you're choking me and you're going to rape me. And that's a horrible feeling. I think there are some of my triggers are being called a certain name, being called names, period. What am I <laughs> being called names, period. I think raising voices is a trigger and that comes from a lot of different things. I grew up in a household, God bless my parents today, Um, but I grew up in a household where my parents used to go at it. They used to exchange some nice verbal words, okay? You hear me? And my mom is real slick with her tongue. I get it from her. I have a smart mouth and I acknowledge I have a smart mouth. I could cuss you out without saying a cuss word. My mama and my daddy used to cuss each other out. They're now born again Christians and don't do that. <laughs> However, back in the day, they used to exchange some words. And I, when I, as I was growing older, it was just something I never wanted to experience in my everyday life. I was like, oh, nah, I can't do that. Because in my mind, it happened all the time. You know how when you're older and you look back on things, you have a perception of things. And sometimes it gets cloudy whether or not it was the true what happened or how I just perceived it. The point is I perceived it that way. Whether it happened every day or once a month. And I don't think it happened every day, but... Once a month is too long, if you ask me. Um, my dad was an alcoholic. So when you're dealing with that demon, there is a lot that comes with that. So I would just leave it like that. But what are your triggers? You know, is it somebody saying it, insinuating that you did something wrong as a mother? And you know that you a good mother and you can outmother, especially if it's a man who has no idea what it takes, what women go through to just women on a regular basis let alone be a mother. No offense to my men out there, but it's a whole nother level of responsibility and accountability that mothers encounter, in my opinion, that the other partner doesn't always necessarily know or appreciate. They just know that things run like a well-lowered machine. So maybe your trigger is somebody insinuating that you're a bad mother and you felt like your mother was a bad mother, So and you're better than that, so therefore you get very defensive. Or maybe 
it is somebody shaming you in an Instagram post about an outfit that you have on or your physical appearance. That's another thing I want to bring up, Brene Brown. I promise you this is not the Brene Brown show, but I do value and respect a lot that she says around these topics. She says that for women, physical appearance is one of the biggest shame triggers. And for men, guess what it is? Fear of being perceived as weak. And I would agree wholeheartedly with both of those. Yes, I am not the skinny mini person that I was when I was younger. I actually like my thicker size, but do I wish that my thicker size had a smaller waist? Yes, I do. So there are times where you can feel shame around that. There are times where I have gone to Cold Stone Creamery and put my stuff in the freezer before anybody could see it because except my daughter and I, because I'm on a quest to lose weight and I don't necessarily want my husband to see that I'm buying ice cream when I'm on a quest to lose weight. <laughs> I mean, it's that's a point of shame. I'm not even going to lie. And it's not like he, he don't sit around and call me fat. He like me thick. But for me, it's just, I don't know. It's just something that sometimes I feel self-conscious about ordering something out because I'm on this quest to do whatever or treating myself to this because I'm on this path to trying to be healthy and I had a and I had a weak moment. But I think it's important to know your triggers. And it's important to know your triggers because if you know what they are, if you know what makes you feel that shame, then in my mind, that gives you more power to overcome it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel shame anymore. It just may, may mean that you're more better equipped to then react to it. So once you become sensitive to what it is you're experiencing, experiencing it, experiencing, you can begin working on how best to deal with it without necessarily reacting to it. You have to kind of know that in order to then accept what you're feeling and own it. Again, find your voice and own it. So it's then owning how do you feel as it relates to the shame. If you are aware of it, then you can fight it. Your actions or somebody else's actions doesn't have to then dictate your reaction. It is so important to me to try to be, what's the word I want to use? Just to be receptive and to be open to different people's opinions and how they come at me. Sometimes people don't know that they're shaming you. So you have to respect the place that they're in and move forward from there. Sometimes they know exactly what they're doing and they're doing it intentionally. And you have to make an intentional decision of how you're going to deal with that. And what's the safest way for you to deal with that? What's, what is the best way for your own personal, I guess, well-being for you to deal with that? But to me, it's about not giving control to the person or the situation. I don't like other people to have control over me. I don't. I, uh, one would say that I'm probably a little controlling myself. And I admit it. Is there shame associated with that? Probably a little bit, yes. But I also know how to give away control. I don't necessarily want to control every situation, but I was, that's basically kind of the way I grew up. So I grew up in a house where I had two working class parents. They worked jobs. Both of them, my, at least my dad worked overtime a lot. And I was the oldest of three siblings. So there's always that certain level of additional responsibility that I have felt like I've had. I was the, in my family, I had my sisters, but then I also had my extended family and we were extremely close. So we have sets of cousins and imagine you have cousins and you have like different age groups of cousins. <laughs> so myself and my middle sister and my other cousins that are like 
within a year or two of my age were like one cohort. Then there's like a younger group that they're a couple years younger and they're the same age. And then over here you have like the older cohort of cousins. So that's just the way I saw. That's in my mind. That's the way we kind of grouped ourselves. And even amongst the cousins, the cohort that I was in, I was the oldest person in that particular cohort. So yes, there is a little bit of control factor that I have in my life. But what I have learned to love and appreciate about myself is that I am okay with relinquishing that control. And I have learned that I try not to give people control over my actions and my emotions. So getting into an argument and then realizing that before you know it, you've flown off the handle. I don't, I'm not an argumentative person, but I found myself in situations where that was my defense mechanism is, is to fight back or to argue back. And I don't like it. So I try to, I'm not passive aggressive, but I do try to avoid it or I try to find other techniques to move past it or to deal with it. I think going back to being sensitive to what you're experiencing so you can kind of work through it. One of the things that I find helpful is write down what you're grateful for in that thing. So whatever that shameful thing is, whether it's your parents putting you up for adoption, somebody sexually assaulting you, your boss outing you in a meeting, your people around you making you feel that you're not processing things a certain way or that you should feel one kind of way when you're depressed and oh, that's a whole nother issue right there. But it's about starting every day anew, being grateful for what you've learned in that thing. So for me, I have to remind myself that I'm not defined by my past, or at least I should not be. And for people who do define me by my past, then mm, perhaps I need to just keep you at arm's length because that's not the way I choose to foster the close relationships that I have. I had to make peace with the fact that this is something to happen to me. I clearly said no. They clearly did what they wanted to do and made me feel some kind of way as a result of it. But that's not who I am. It doesn't make me a hoe that I wasn't a virgin. It doesn't. It doesn't make me a hoe because it happened. It's something that happened to me, period. I think that when you're knowing those triggers and becoming sensitive to how you're experiencing it and what happens to you, it could lead to a path of greatness. I have a friend who went through a pregnancy and lost her baby. It was an extremely traumatic moment and experience in her life. I still remember the day, it was a Friday, that she called and told me what had occurred. So she was in a situation where they had run, from my recollection, they had run tests on her and there was a gene that they said the baby had tested potentially positive for. There are sometimes, this is a false positive, but this was going to have a huge impact. This could potentially have a huge impact on her pregnancy. And come to find out that when she, if I recall correctly, she went back in for another test or the routine appointment. And after feeling fine up until that point, during the doctor's visit, she discovered her baby was no longer living. And she was, I want to say, at least six or seven months pregnant. She was pretty far along, at least six months pregnant. And to make it worse, she had to wait until the couple days later to finish that 
process because there was a process that needed to occur without being too graphic. You can imagine what needed to happen. And that, no, let me be graphic. So she literally had to go through the process of being induced and giving birth, pushing out baby that was no longer breathing. Like, can you imagine that? (laughs) I can't fathom it. And the feelings that I feel associated with it are, I'm sure, nothing compared to what she had to go through emotionally herself. Fast forward to she goes through a quote unquote, I'm going to call it quote unquote, grieving process. She eventually returns to work. Prior to this, they went through their own grieving process as it relates to naming the baby and doing things, you know, taking a picture and doing things like that. And fast forward to her going back to work. As you can imagine, it was extremely hard. Half the people didn't know what had occurred and made an assumption that she was out for a couple of weeks because she had a healthy baby, but that's not what happened. And the I couldn't imagine being asked, hey, what happened? Or you had the baby? And then having to relive that moment, whether you choose to share what happened or not, it's still something that's going to happen. And there's something that triggers in your head and you have to deal with it as if you're not thinking about it 24-7 anyway, because I'm sure she was. But as I understand it, that feeling of just being overwhelmed with that. And that went on for months. And as you can imagine, she couldn't completely function at work. She was going through all sorts of hormonal changes still. She was going through the grief process, the anxiety and depression that comes along with that, the feeling of, okay, what did I do? What could I have done differently? It wasn't her fault at all. But there's a shame associated with that whole process. There's a shame associated with the fact that she had to go to work and deal with people asking her stuff and her feeling emotional to the point where she felt like she couldn't necessarily perform to her top capacity, but still had to make a livelihood for her family. I applaud her determination and her decision to keep going and get up, getting up and trying to go to work. But eventually she needed to sit down. She needed to take some more time off. And eventually she needed to leave that employer and start afresh, start anew. Somewhere where she didn't have to necessarily deal with the same people who may or may not have been judging her about how she reacted to her child dying, including friends and family. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I just couldn't imagine. Um, But I'm saying all of this because at the end of all of that, a year, at least a year, I would say passed, a year and a half probably passed, and at least a year. I'm very bad at times. And fast forward, she actually got pregnant again. And I was so concerned. Like words cannot express how concerned I was. I prayed several times on a daily basis because I was concerned. I was concerned about the emotional toll a pregnancy would take on this person for her. I was concerned about the emotional toll that an unhealthy pregnancy or unhealthy outcome would and what would occur. Like I am a woman of faith. So of course I'm always gonna, I see things I don't want to say, of course. So I typically see things half full as opposed to half empty. That's just who I am. I'm an optimistic person. However, in those situations, in that particular situation, it was hard. It was hard for me because I wanted to protect her and it was nothing that I can do to necessarily protect how she felt previously, nor how she had to deal with this pregnancy throughout, you know, the pregnancy. In the end, she had a beautiful new baby boy and everything turned out fine. 
And I applaud her courage for being vulnerable enough to move past that shame, that ridicule, that feeling of defeat, that feeling of depression, that feeling of sadness and grief of having to bear a child who wasn't breathing to then say, okay, God, I'm going to give this another shot. And it worked out. I applaud that. She moved past that shame. She took it and pushed it aside, even for a moment. And that's something that should be applauded. I think another thing about shame is it should allow us or it should force us to be sensitive about how we communicate with others. Think about it. Think about how you want to be treated. Think about how you want people to talk to you. Allow that feeling that you feel associated with shame to then transcend into some greater empathy or compassion for others. Like, can you imagine the blessing you can be to somebody by pushing past that? That is me today. I wanted to do this podcast because I felt like I had a voice and that I could communicate with other women and help them find their voice and identify their passion and become their best versions of themselves. But this wasn't easy for me to hit record on the mic. It took me for, I said, it took me a minute to do it. And I meant that. But for me, my desire to make a positive impact on others and to be able to show empathy to others and compassion to other people and be a light to somebody else, help somebody else through their mess, help somebody else overcome their obstacles and see the opportunities associated with them. Help somebody else focus that energy and that drive and that determination on something positive. That's why I'm doing this. It's not because I like the way my voice sounds, because I don't. (laughs) It's not because that I think I am Dr. Brene Brown, because please know that I don't. I don't. It's not because... I think I'm the best at what I do. What I do know is I have a God-ordained assignment that cannot be ignored any longer. It can't be. I acknowledge the fact that I have been put here to help women find their voice and own it. Be the authors of their own story. Identify their passion. Overcome their crap. Push past their mess. I... And I'm moving my shame aside. The shame that I still feel on a daily basis. Y'all have no idea what kind of day I had today. You have no idea what names I was called just today. But I had to push past it in order to sit here and do what I needed to do in order to impact your life. You are my reason. My kids are my reason. I, my mama, love her dearly. Has always been a go-getter. Like she just... She don't sit down. She's a servant. I will call her a servant. She loves, I mean, loves to help people. Like to the point where she makes my dad eyes roll on a daily basis, trust and believe. Because she always doing something. She always giving away something. That woman got more paper towels, toilet paper, Clorox wipes than the store do right now. And half the time she giving half of it away. She just has a servant heart. And I am proud to say that I have that same heart. I have that same desire, that same drive, that same determination to push forward, to allow what is to be to be, but also to figure out how can I make it better? 
How can I do it better? How can I show the next person, whether it's my kids, whether it's my you all, whether it's my friends, my family, how they can push past something? I love to learn. So for me, I love to absorb information and I'm like a sponge to the extent that I can remember it. And to me, I want to be able to be that sponge that's like full of water or full of stuff and you're squeezing it and I'm just squeezing it on people. I'm just allowing them to, I'm just sprinkling them a little bit of on your day on whoever needs it. Don't let shame prevent you from being the sensational person that you are meant to be. And with that, I will see you next time. Grace and peace. Thank you for joining the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review because I welcome and value your feedback. You can also tag me in your stories at It's On Your Day so I can personally connect with you and know who is in my tribe. I am looking forward to continuing to work with you to write your own story. Until next time, grace and peace.